0: all right and hey thanks for listening in to the future christian podcast my name is lauren richmond jr and i'm pleased to be joined today by marlena graves hello
1: hi lauren i'm glad to be here with you
0: yeah thank you uh thanks for your time marlena is a she's a phd student at uh, bowling green state university in bowling green ohio she's an mdiv from northeastern seminary in rochester new york and uh I'll read this, I would like this, Marlena. You have on your website she's a writer, deep thinker, and speaker who is passionate about the eternal implications of our life in God. She's a lover of beauty, especially the beauty of her family, others, and creation. And she's a justice seeker trying to overcome evil with good. So, uh welcome. What else would you like folks to know about you?
1: Yeah, thank you. I think somebody helped me with the bio, so uh getting information. <laughs> That's good. I like it. But um Yeah, I I think I want people to know that, hopefully like your listeners, I I seek to follow Jesus and live like Him because I think He knew what He was talking about and that He's right, but -hmm. it's not always easy to know which way to go, so we depend on the great cloud of witnesses and, I would say, tradition to help us out.
0: Yeah. Tell us uh, us a little about how you got into this, um, you know, pursuing a PhD, getting an MDiv, that kind of thing.
1: Well, when I was, um, let's see, I went to, after I married my husband, I was 22 years old and he was going to get his PhD in philosophy. Um, Mm -hmm. and first he stopped to get his master's degree, actually his two master's degree in philosophy. But, um, on his way, I, I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, so I worked with nonprofits, actually, after we got married. Mm-hmm. I worked in um, Southeastern Ohio and Appalachia. You know, it's the poorest I've ever been, area I've ever been in, poor whites. Um, yeah. They're in the border of West Virginia, Kentucky, and Ohio, and um, he was at Ohio University for two years. And then um, while he was in school, I worked, and then we moved to Rochester, New York for his to get him to get his PhD. And that's when i went to seminary and at first like you know i i went to a christian school that doesn't think that women should teach over men i think that's right mm-hmm. now they don't think women should teach over men um but i that's not how i grew up that's mm-hmm. the teaching i received in school so i thought that was the way it was i didn't know the difference i didn't realize there were lots of christian schools i only thought there was like Non Christian school, Christian school. I, I yeah, wasn't versed yeah. in the uh, denominational distinctives of schools yeah. and theologies and that. So I just thought that was the way it is. So it took me a while to um, decide. I, I worked for three years and then I'm, my husband was like, just go to seminary. And I went to a wonderful mm-hmm. school in Northeastern Seminary. And while he was working on his PhD, we were, I also worked in a nonprofit there with uh, the urban poor who are trying to get out of poverty actually get Mm -hmm. into nursing school and also at um my church while i was in school and he was in school we didn't have children at the time and then Mm -hmm. uh we moved when he got a job uh to ohio and i wanted to go to school but i had my first daughter and then i was working at the university in student life but and then i had after we left, there, I had my second and third daughter. So it was hard for me to go to school. I've been wanting to go to school for a decade
0: because
1: yeah. I teach um, as an adjunct professor at the seminary and you can't um, continue to teach without getting a terminal degree. Um, some mm-hmm. schools accept a doctorate of ministries, but most want you to have a PhD. And so after yeah. I discerned you know, whether I should be, uh, I've been in the church, I've been a director of discipleship, as I mentioned, youth leader, like assistant pastor, but I think being in the seminary or similar academic setting allows me to take all the things I love about the church, about society and justice, and combine it together. It's hard trying to figure out where to combine all those things, so that's where it seems to be for me.
0: Yeah. Well, cool. What has it meant for you to be Talk a little bit about your faith, uh, faith journey, like what it meant to be a Christian for you in the past. If anything's changed, what what your faith looks like now?
1: Yeah. So what I, I, you know, we start by saying I grew up poor, and uh, for American standards, the kind yeah. where you know sometimes you don't have food to eat when you come home after school, and where mm-hmm. your lunch is your only food. And so I didn't realize at the time how much that had formed me, uh, because uh, it was almost like. <laughs> Uh, forced fasting and I had a great desire Mm -hmm. for God. Um, I was born in Puerto Rico, but I grew up most of um, my life in western northwestern Pennsylvania, where my dad's from. And so Mm -hmm. um, it was an impoverished area. And there wasn't a lot to do. We didn't have a lot of money to do everything or hardly anything. Um, And so we split a lot of wood to sell it. So my dad would have gas to get to work. And so Mm -hmm. I was outside in nature a lot. And um, I didn't really like um, television, so I didn't really watch TV that much. So I would do schoolwork, chop wood, whatever my parents have to do, and then read the Bible Mm -hmm. a lot from the ages of like 10 to 14. And so I think that's where my, um, I heard it said afterwards, Christian imagination was formed out of poverty uh nature and reading scripture and so um, i've always thought that god was real and near and i know that suffering can drive some people away from god and i stand in Mm -hmm. no judgment but for me it drove me to god and um the god that i knew and that i read about in scripture was different than the one i saw who was like god's It was more about what god dislikes and doesn't like and
0: who's Mm -hmm. in and who's
1: out and so i think my rootedness in scripture allowed me to distinguish uh, against what i was being said i was never quite comfortable with it for example i was Mm -hmm. never quite comfortable with people saying women can't go to seminary at all or teach men i'm like that's ridiculous you know yeah Uh, so um but I didn't have the training to contend with it except for scripture. So that's kind of uh, where I've come from. And uh, I can travel easily in middle class circles and in the middle class register with language. But I think that poverty has shaped me in a way that I'm probably not even completely aware. And that Mm -hmm. I care about the, I do care about the poor, but um, yeah. it's allowed me to see, I think, life in a more robust way. Um, but I'm not going to say that I love, you know, I that you love not being able sometimes to get your bills paid or the struggle. I'm not going to wish that upon yeah. anyone.
0: Yeah. Um. I, I don't want to jump right into it already, but I think that's one of the things that really... Um, struck me and kind of impacted me from your book um, was your stories about poverty and growing up poor. Um, uh, thankfully, I never had to experience worrying coming home um, to an empty fridge, um, but I was literally just reflecting on this with the conversation I had with someone at lunch here. Um, I grew up and lived in public housing for a time, food stamps, mm-hmm. um, those kind of things, and uh, and uh, here I'm going to jump right into it. I guess uh, how does that like? Uh, I've been re- reflecting about like, how like how that continues to shape me as a person. Um, uh, and I remember from your book, like you said something about how just feeling awkward at times in 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 uh, public places or in certain gatherings. And I'm just curious how that's continued to shape you as a person, or what your reflections have been from that.
1: Yeah, I. I guess, you know, you can inhabit two worlds, kind of, I, um, like, maybe, I don't know if people say this to you, Lauren, but like, you can't necessarily tell by looking or engaging with, with you, but I think I feel kind of solidarity with jesus uh, though he was mm. rich he became poor i was never rich <laughs> i'm a lot yeah. richer than i was growing up but if you yeah. want to use the word rich uh, relative to what i had we do mm-hmm. have food at home um but um uh, i think that it shaped me in that i don't feel discomfort around the poor i mm. see them as people um and also it helps me to readily identify myths and lies. When people talk about the poor, like they're yeah. lazy, not hardworking. Yeah. I'm like, you've never been a- around poor people.
0: Yeah. I
1: remember one time and I think it was, I don't know. Remember if it's 2010 or 12, but there was a political candidate. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he said, not a, I think he was, re- I think he was running for president, um, mm-hmm. before, uh, they narrowed it down and he talks so badly about the poor i'm like are you kidding you've Mm -hmm. never been around a poor person or you can just theologize and talk about them but you you don't know any poor people because if you did you wouldn't say such horrible stereotypical things and um i remember that was kind of like a turning point that that kind of drove me away uh from a certain kind of christianity because i'm like you have no Mm -hmm. idea what you're talking about and you're harming people And so uh, I was able to, you know, further disentangle Christianity from, you know, different political platforms.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking about uh, yesterday, I was participating a little bit in a webinar on finances in the church. And that's somebody made that comment about, you know, so many times in low income communities, they think, oh, we just need to have like a budgeting class, like give them a budgeting class. And someone made the point like, you know, poor people know how to stretch a dollar better than anyone else. Uh, And there's just kind of just this assumption that poor people are bad with money or, um, you know, like you said, lazy or unproductive Mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, And I think of it, I almost think about, like, um, the other way. Like, when I was growing up, my parents both worked. My dad had two, three jobs. And, And I think, like, man, I would almost rather, like, have my dad been on social uh what's the one my what's the word i'm trying to think of um welfare uh, you know mm-hmm. I, I don't know what we call it still like i'd almost rather my dad been on welfare and me see him more than you know because like anyway yeah okay, you <laughs> I'm worked already, so I'm, hard yeah i'm you're helping me process some stuff already here marlena mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Talk about some spiritual practices that have been meaningful to you or you'd recommend to others.
1: Yeah, I think like uh, some of the spiritual practices I think that are essential for survival. um, I think one to remember that we're among the great cloud of witnesses. This individualistic Mm -hmm. Western um, individualism I think is um, deadly for Christianity uh mm-hmm. and so uh you know we try to do things ourselves reinvent them ourselves split off from ourselves from others when we don't agree with them now i'm not saying to remain in toxic or abusive environments but yeah. um i think even from the latino latina the african american community the asian community you can see the importance of community um
0: mm-hmm.
1: and being able to say hey i need help being able Mm -hmm. to say, you know, I'm struggling and I'm not talking about a performative vulnerability. That's kind of in vogue now or whatever, but I'm talking about, um,
0: yeah, you've been part of church.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Just saying, Hey, I, I really need help. And so realizing that we're part of the great cloud of witnesses that we're not going to necessarily save the world, but we could do our part to make where Mm -hmm. we're at, to bring Shalom into the places that we're at. Um, so that's to say that our role in in the church and in history is important but i'm not superior to you or other people who are part Mm -hmm. of the body of christ so that's kind of a realization and i think it frames the way that people live um so to get away from that individualism that i think that uh our economic system and other economic systems also foster like the neoliberal Mm -hmm economic system it fosters fragmentation and separation you know your your dad is just trying to earn a dollar and kept him away from the family you know um Mm -hmm. and so i'm not an economist but i just think it's a whole lot of forces working together to separate people uh the economy the spiritual things and other cultural issues but um another one i think is important which is related to the first is I think confession's important. I think Mm, the church. Dallas Willard has said this, and other people have said this. I think the church should be more like AA, that we should have trusted people that we can confide in, and maybe they're not our closest friends. Maybe it's clergy, you know, a pastor, Mm -hmm. a priest, a spiritual director, Uh, because a lot of people, again, you know, they don't feel like they have close friends. They're lonely, and even people that are in the ministry feel quite lonely.
0: Yes, uh, we do.
1: <laughs> so yeah. And so I think we have to um if the person's not our close friend, maybe someone we admire and find trustworthy, just to say, Hey, uh, let me confess to you. And and so I have like my husband Sean, we're great friends. We get along really well and I tell him what's going on, but not him alone. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I say I have
1: people that I can call 911. I have a, ca- a Catholic spiritual director. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of my I've had one Protestant Protestant spiritual director and a couple of Catholic nuns that were my spiritual director, the current one used to be a nun.
0: But mm-hmm. um,
1: so I talk to her once a month. And I have other friends that I say like I dial 911 on they don't live near me. Yeah. Um, but I'll say, Hey, I'm struggling, will you pray for me? And I do? take the step to call my pastors and confide in them and say hey you know uh, i remember uh, my um pastor i don't know if he told this story publicly i think i gave him permission i don't remember but i said hey i have this thing to confess to you um you know i went on a trip and i stayed in this house and i started to get kind of bitter that it seems like they don't struggle like i'm trying to scrap by Mm -hmm. and life's easy for them and they're wonderful people who are <laughs> richer than me. They're not bad people. But I started to think, like, God, why is it that my life's always been hard in this area? Can't you, yeah. you know, can't you give me a break? I, I'm following you, I'm faithful to you, and I'm still struggling. And so mm-hmm. I called to confess that I guess it would be like envy and bitterness, envy that
0: that yeah. I felt like
1: their life was more um financially easy while mine's been, yeah. you know, hard compared to them, not compared to the rest of the world. And so uh, I called my pastors and I, I sat by with both of them and told them that, and I do that regularly if something like that mm-hmm. comes up. So uh, I think that's really important because it helps us get perspective and help us not necessarily be too hard on ourselves, but mm-hmm. also to admit things that we don't like are about ourselves, you know? Yeah. Um, confess your sins to one another, James says, and pray for one another, the why? That you might be healed. I wanna be healed, I wanna be like Jesus. So I can't mm-hmm. do this myself. So confession, realizing that we're not by ourselves. Um, for me, silence and solitude are just being quiet and in nature is very important
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: to me uh, because it allows me to step back from, I wanna say now the rage and the noise to mm-hmm. get anchored into God. And a lot, uh, one other thing I would say is to meditate upon the scriptures, whether you listen to them or read them, I try to listen to the gospels regularly um, and the Psalms and the Psalms so I can keep my eyes on Jesus. doesn't mean I don't read the rest, but that's part of my regular, (laughs) I listen to them on the, on, uh, um, online, on audio.
0: That's great. That's great. These are wonderful. You know, I think confession, um, what a great thought. I mean, that's kind of been reserved for our, our Catholic friends and if we made, if folks of us in this Protestant world made more use of that, I can really see how that'd be healing. Like you said, um, that's great.
1: And some people well, say, hey, uh, I'm sorry. Some people say, hey,
0: yeah, you know,
1: I don't, I don't need to confess to another person because I have Jesus. And I right. I come back and I say, I think the Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox actually are right about this, mm-hmm. that there's something to hear. You're, it can even be a Protestant, your pastor or, or friend mm-hmm. saying in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Just to have someone incarnated say that yeah. in the flesh, say that to you.
0: I mean, the other thing we could say theologically, and this kind of gets back to your point about individualism, is uh, Western society. We kind of think everything is all our sin is individual, and it's just between me and God. And if we think about our sin being communal or affecting other people, like then yes. it makes sense to con- confess to other people, even if they're not necessarily the people we're sin against. We're just acknowledging that that my My sin harms other people.
1: Amen. I completely agree with you. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we need to move on because I want to talk to you a little about your book. Um, So uh, this is an audio podcast, but Marlena has a nice framed picture of the cover of her book right behind her head. So well done. Uh, We'll have to make this. Eventually we'll make this video, I guess. But um in future episodes, maybe. Um, but so uh, Marlene wrote a book, The Way Up Is Down, Becoming Yourself By Forgetting Yourself. And uh, Marlene, I was about two-thirds halfway through the book, and I'm like, oh, now I get the title. So uh, that was clever. That was a clever title. So you talk about the idea of kenosis, which is a Greek word about emptying, if I'm remembering my it's been a while since I took Biblical Greek, but uh, you talked about uh, Jesus emptying himself, and uh, I was thinking about this again in, in your, in context to your uh, introduction about poverty, that most people think about Jesus' descent from heaven to earth, but they don't, they don't necessarily think about his descent, uh, that he didn't come as a rich king or ruler, but he came as, as a as a peasant. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, how, I'm curious how, how you think that frames the entire narrative.
1: Yeah. I mean, the fact that Jesus humbled himself, as you said, he didn't come as a king, but he came as a peasant. I mean, he could Mm -hmm. have chosen to be born rich in the palatial setting and just order people around and just like snap his fingers and have fire from heaven come down to, uh burn up anyone that uh, doesn't agree with him yeah but he chose to set aside his rights and so my book's about uh how that like was the way of jesus but it hasn't seemed to be the way of the church we mm-hmm. use the worlds or a secular maybe word as a means to um success like how many yeah. people attend your church what do you yep. look like um you know how beautiful or not are you are uh who do you know who are your networks
0: yeah and, yeah but we
1: a lot of the time cl- clothe this in christian talk so yep um you know but we're using the world ways of uh i i, I should say yeah we're clothing the world's ways in christianese and so i'm like jesus mm-hmm. did not Jesus, you know Henry now talked about it too. It's like an upside down kingdom. So my book's about yeah. I'm struck. Many of the last will be first. The first will be last. The greatest in the kingdom will be the servant of all. When Jesus, um, at the Last Supper, he, you know, he bent over and washed the disciples' feet, which is a vulnerable position. He could have been stabbed in the back, kicked in the face, and he he humbled himself to serve other people. And that's the call on us as individuals in the church. And I don't see the American church doing that I see the American church um, trying to call the shots and acting I say collectively not individuals because there's a lot of beautiful people in churches yeah yeah being more like bullies and using power and wealth Mm -hmm. and influence instead of being the servant I mean we might say we're servants but I don't care what we say I care about how we live
0: (laughs) yeah yeah well, uh, this theme of emptying in kenosis, like I said, I mm-hmm. really kind of just, I, I felt it and kind of the more I looked at it, like the more I, I found it like pervading the entire book. Um, and you talk about somewhere, I forget where it was, but the downward descent into kingdom status. And mm-hmm. again, that seems to be so co- cross-cultural uh, to our current time and place. I don't know about you, Marlena, but I, I often, when I look at like the big pastors of the big churches and they're on Instagram and social media. And it, it, it's almost like, it's like Christianity is a status symbol. Like, look how far I've come because I'm this far because God has blessed me this far. And I don't know about you, but it seems so contradictory to this kingdom that Jesus talks about. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Now some people come back at me or say, Marlene, are you saying I have to be poor? I'm like, no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but are, you cannot be possessed by your possessions, mm. um, you know? And, and the early church, and I think it stands for the earliest people, the people that were closest in history to Jesus, I mean, they were really I wild. I mean, the mm-hmm. way they would talk today, they would be called, I don't know if they'd be called socialists or communists or what, but they're like, if yeah. you have, you know, stuff in your closet that you're not using, then you are robbing from the poor. You're a thief. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. the dedicate talks about that um and let the what the if you have something let it uh, something to give let it sweat into your hand until you know who to give it to so like you know the clothes in my closet i'm looking at i have more than one sweater right uh for mm-hmm. the falls it's coming up i live in the you know midwest uh, ohio yeah. and so but if there's someone that needs my clothes it doesn't you know everything i have belongs to god i can more easily replace what i have than a lot of people in the world and so mm-hmm. i'm supposed to be generous with that but as you said it seems like it's more about me and a status symbol i mean it's just using the church as status like you said um yeah. and that's not the way of jesus in fact when paul was commissioned i think it's when galatians the apostles told him to remember the poor you know when yeah. peter who was it peter was it peter who who was walking with peter peter and john walking into the temple next and acts and they oh, say silver yeah. and gold i have silver yeah. and gold i have yeah. none you know
0: yeah but, but this in I have.
1: Jude- yes that's right
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so i think to summarize so my book i look at those things but the older i get the more i realize what jesus meant when he says you can't have two masters you can either serve god or money i think the mm. church is serving money a lot more than god
0: well so, hard to argue with that mm-hmm. uh yeah, I want to give a shout out to our listeners. Uh, Marlene is dropping some knowledge there about the Didache. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, for the for our listeners, that's a early Christian what second century is that right text?
1: I think so. I forget when it was written, but really uh, kind of early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a catechism.
0: That's fun. Um, let's see. When, this is I kind of I kind of have do this when I read folks' books. Um, I saw like. I think like in outlines, that's why I'm saying this. Uh, so I saw like four themes I'll say, uh, and I may be overthinking, but this is what I saw like in along your theme of emptying, I saw like an, a theme of like emptying of our knowledge, emptying of our financial resources, which you've kind of already addressed, emptying of our pride. And then, uh, and I, I, finally, I thought like is, is, is repentance about emptying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you yeah. think? Am I? I am think I so. On?
1: I love you. I wish I thought in outlines that would make my life a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I. That's really good yeah. to think in outlines. Let me tell you, it helps you do your work a lot quicker. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, repentance is emptying because I think in order to be filled, kenosis. So kenosis is a self-emptying and the way i explain it is that we empty ourselves of all that's not god in us so that we could be full you know you empty mm-hmm. a container so that you can be filled with god uh the spirit and the life of god and so repentance is a way of purification if you think about the ancient path how they talk about um pure i believe it's purification illumination and then transformation so uh, mm-hmm. to be purified right uh you're purified repenting of your sins and you see better You can Mm -hmm. see you know the eye is the lamp of the body if the eye is dark how great is the darkness i believe it's uh, matthew 6 22. um where i love that verse where jesus talks about seeing and so when we pray i would contend and jesus would contend when we repent of our sins we get closer to god we can see the world we could see reality better Mm -hmm. and then we're transformed um and so repentance is also uh um uh is a way of kenosis yeah of emptying. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Man, this, I like this. It's it's uh, the emptying of all that's not God. I like that. I was also thinking about the emptying of our knowledge. You write, none of us knows what we don't know unless our eyes are opened. I, that line really struck me because, yeah, I mean, I found myself in the place oh, I, that I didn't know what I didn't know. So maybe the question is like, how do we I think when we don't know we don't know how do we get to the point where we can have our eyes open do you think like is that a gift of the spirit uh, is it an act of God kind of thing is that putting ourselves in the right place what do you think
1: I think all of the above um mm. if I stay around people that are just like me and read books by people that are just like me and mm-hmm. if I'm never we talked about earlier if I'm not proximate to the poor yeah. and the suffering uh then, you know, people make great declarations from on high. Like I said earlier, about the poor, about anybody, right? About anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I'm and I'm I'm come to the place. I mean, this is even a kind of an easy thing. I'm like, you're criticizing a book, a person, or whatever. Do not talk to me if you have not read it. You know, yeah. or don't don't <laughs> yeah. like. Do, have you you just or is this hearsay from someone you heard? I'm like, mm-hmm. I am like done with i do not listen to people if they have not read something or or engage something because i'm like you can't speak to me from a place of more knowledge like you can theorize about it but you don't know Mm a um and so um i think that part of like jesus you know he came and he dwelt among us so that he could know what it's like to be a human being and being always like us without sin incarnation and so i think we can know when we are expose ourselves to other things in other situations, because again, like I said, we like to pontificate about subjects that we know nothing about a lot Mm -hmm. of the time. And I tried, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I try not to do that myself because I'm like, "Eh." you know, I can't really talk to you about foreign policy
0: because (laughs) I don't know
1: anything. I can't tell you what to do about this, that, or the other. So I'll listen to people that know more about it. Or um you know and even life situations and so i think our eyes are opened you know i talk about the rich man and lazarus in my book and Mm -hmm. the rich man could have learned from lazarus if he had paid attention to him but he rendered him invisible and so i think that our lives there we'd be closer to shalom if we were closer to people and i think it would stop a lot of the hate but we're segregated in racial ways and gender ways and in mm-hmm. many ways uh, and, and we're um in class you know according to money but i yeah. think the closer we are to around different kinds of people the more our eyes will be open different experiences yeah. and i mean we are only limited in so many experiences that we can have right we can't commodify experiences like people are like i'm gonna go do this you know but I think the more that we're open and present to the world around us, the more we'll know.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was interviewing someone earlier today and they said something about, um, working in discomfort, um, that that's where growth comes Mm -hmm. is when you purposely seek out those areas of just where you're uncomfortable. That's where growth comes. I, I mean, I don't. That. I don't like that.
1: <laughs> no, I don't.
0: <laughs> but I think he, I think he was right. Um, the last thing I want to ask you about this emptying theme is pride, and uh, I'm coming at about it from a different angle because um, you, you mentioned like there's no place too low for Jesus. Talk to me. I guess I, I come from a context where, or I grew up in a context where it was like. You know, I wasn't one who struggled with thinking too much of myself. It, it more so, it was the opposite, like thinking enough of myself. So, for me, it's hard to, like, think about, you know, I grew up, like I said, it was feeling like I was beat down all the time. Mm-hmm. I know many people have grown up in similar contexts. What does that look like then of emptying? Um, I may be totally taking your work out of context here. So. Tell me if that's, this may be the case, I'm just taking your work out of context, but what does it look like of, you know, cause if we're modeling Jesus th- and there's no place to low for Jesus, what does that look like for us? Uh, when are we saying like, hey, this is, this is, you know, I can't go any lower, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, you have to discern with your community and individually, cause I am not saying, I think I might've said this earlier, repeat, uh, ex- uh, open yourself or allow yourself to be abused or right, be in a toxic right. environment that's not what i'm talking about but you know so maybe lauren you don't struggle with that kind of thing like mm-hmm. someone else might um but i mean i don't know what you struggle with but <laughs> for example i will yeah. use an example from my life i'm you don't normally struggle like the lord might call you to set yeah. aside your will and some it's basically not my will, but yours be done. Right. Mm. But so some people don't think enough, they don't know how beloved they are in the life in the love of God, because they have been beat down. Yeah. So maybe though, um, uh, like I said, I use myself for an example, someone and this does happen, they'll just insult me or say something on social mm-hmm. media, again, without like really exploring right. in depth of what it is. Um, and so you know sometimes i'm really tempted i'm like oh i want to get you back not necessarily hurt you but i want to like have a throw down with the information and show you how ridiculous and ignorant you are you know Mm -hmm. um and then i have to step back i'm like you know what this person i i mean this is the thought process you know romans 12 wanted to be transformed by the renewing of your mind right
0: Mm -hmm. uh
1: and uh your body's a living sacrifice. I'm like, I do not want to treat that person the way they I don't want to dehumanize them the way they treat me. And so I have to set aside my desire, and it might even be justified to get them back. And some people see that as weak, you know, just Hmm. put them in their place the way they put me in my place. And they say, Well, you know, you could have said something, Marlena, or, you know, it doesn't mean I don't say anything. But I Mm -hmm. think very clearly about my responses to people that are my enemies or act as my enemies uh and and I'm not saying this as a perfect person but I mean yeah I think very carefully about it because I I don't want to be I don't want to dehumanize other people the same way that they dehumanize me and other people and I think Mm. our responses in those ways that um lowering not to them but to God you know to Mm. Christ we're bound before God not because this is another human being. I don't know where that response came out of. But I want to say, though, I think it also makes us stronger in our witness more bright. If we don't dehumanize other people, we can still have opinions, we can still say Mm -hmm. things, but it's in how we do it. And that's laying our rights aside. It's in the how we operate. Um, Because God cares about the means to the end, as well as the end. And a lot of Christians, yeah they they use godless means to get godless ends right even in politics whoa mm-hmm. knock down yeah. drag dehumanize <laughs> be corrupt oh, yeah because we got what we wanted you yeah. know we got the judges we wanted whatever you yep. know
0: well as we're recording this uh a new Supreme Court justice has just been approved and that old question about means and ends is uh very relevant here but we could spend an entire podcast on that. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. We won't. I want to ask you one more thing, because uh, uh, I just this this part of the text just kind of stood out to me. Talk about like God looks happy at me.
1: Yeah. So when my now my daughter's now eight years old, but when she was three, she caught me staring at her, and she said, "Mommy, why are you looking happy at me?" And I think my <laughs> eyes must have been, you know, just mm-hmm. looking at her in delight and happiness. And, you know, I said, because I love you and God loves you. I mean, no, I said, because I love you very much. Mm -hmm. And then I thought to myself, Oh, 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 this is a teaching moment. Like I said, that's how God looks at you. God looks happy at you. And she said to me, you mean, God looks happy at me the way mommy and daddy look? Yeah, the way God looks happy at you. And that came straight from her. That was her phrase Mm. for what she was seeing in my eyes and i think it's so really good. important for christians to know that god looks happy looks at them with delight mm-hmm. i mean there's a lot of that kind of worm mentality where nothing yep. we're the scum of the earth i mean i yep. know paul said you know i i forget exactly how paul said it now but you know um yeah you know he considers everything a uh, law Rubbish. you know for yeah. the sake of following christ yeah i don't think god is like looks at us with disgust or contempt But somehow that message has been communicated, even if those words haven't been used, Oh yeah. that message has been communicated for a lot of Christians. So they can't even imagine that God looks happy at them.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, And I really, my whole life, I really do believe that God delights in us. I mean, that doesn't mean I don't struggle with difficulty or things that Mm -hmm. happen, but I don't walk around feeling like God can't stand me. And it's some people do, and it makes me sad. And so. that's why i talk about
0: that in the book yeah there really is like an element of christianity where it's kind of like god kind of just is you know like you said walking around like well i guess if i have to put up with you know john over there i'll do it so uh, what a beautiful beautiful image though i
1: have to credit my daughter valentina with that one so
0: yeah hi there My name is Brian Davis, and I'm the host of the podcast Chasing Sunday, a show that talks to worship leaders and other church creatives about the pain, frustration, and joys they face as they work in the relentless world of producing art for churches 52 Sundays a year. It's a show about burning out and burning bright. Together, we talk about how we can find a healthier and more creative alternative to Chasing Sunday after Sunday. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Well, let's move into the closing questions with Marlena. Um, and I always tell people you can take these as seriously or not as you'd like to. But if you were Pope for a day, uh, what do you want to do? What might that day look like? You know, that kind of thing. Uh,
1: yes, I love Pope John Paul. I mean, John Paul. Pope yeah. Francis. I like John Paul. I like Francis. Um, <laughs> I I would do some of what I've talked about. Uh, the people that are at each other's throat get them together, get them to Mm -hmm. eat together, get them to dance and see each other in all their humanity. Um, the people that disagree with each other, but also the poor and the rich and just Mm -hmm. really experience other people. That's what I would do. And I think that it would change us all.
0: Oh, absolutely. What theologian or Christian historical figure might you want to meet or bring back to life?
1: Oh, there's so many. But I do like Thomas Merton. Uh, He was a Catholic uh, monk, Trappist. So I just Mm -hmm. uh, um, forget when he died. In like 1968, maybe around the same time, a lot of people died. But um, (laughs) yeah, like Martin Luther King, Jr., Malcolm X, uh, and all a lot of people died at that time. Uh, But I just, I love his journals. I think he's a profound thinker. And I wish I could just talk to him and learn from him. Um, Mm -hmm. So someone kind of more recent, but I also uh, like um, Macrina. She was the sister to Basil. And um, uh, in the early church, uh, Gregory, like the Nicene fathers, and she basically taught them everything they know, even though women, they weren't supposed to learn from women. She kind of set them on the straight and narrow and they influenced a lot in Christianity in the early church. So I would say those two.
0: What was her name again?
1: Macrina, the younger, her mom, I think is her mom or grandma was Macrina, the elder.
0: I love it. I love it. That's cool. Dropping some church history and putting women rightfully, uh, putting them rightfully in their place is a part of it. I love it. Yeah. Um, What do you think history will remember uh, from our current time and place?
1: Uh... I I want to say, well, it depends. Are we talking about the Christians, <laughs> um, <laughs> or
0: just the world in yeah, general? You interpret this how you want to. <laughs> oh gosh,
1: um, I think they. I think people would uh, question the myth of progress. Right? We think that things mm. are getting better and better. Or even Man, as Christians, we're getting better and better. But we see that we still act the way they did during World War II, and um, man slave you know slavery there's still a lot of work to be done so I think in our souls and in our national mm-hmm. life
0: Marley I've been thinking about that recently that myth of progress and I'm like oh oh we could spend a podcast on that too uh the last question I I meant to change it uh for you so I'm gonna I'm gonna spring it on you here uh I I've been I've been asking people what they think Christianity will look like in the future, but I want to ask you what you hope, what do you hope for Christianity in the future?
1: I just do hope that we would become more like Jesus in the way we treat people, especially the marginalized. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I think several popes, several wise people, not just Christianity have said that the way you treat those in the lowest in the society says something about you. Mm -hmm. And so my hope is that the church would be known, for, what, for doing what jesus taught them not mm. for anger not for um marginalization and oppression but that we make a turn to look more like jesus collectively obviously there's lots of people individually and i've said this before in churches yeah. that are but more on a broader scale
0: great well thank you so much for your time uh the book again is the way up is down uh, where can where can people find out more about you Marlena?
1: You could go to MarlenaGraves.com. That's MarlenaGraves.com, my name, and there's information about my books, my writing,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: speaking, you know, if you want to invite me to speak in one of your areas.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, th- again, thank you so much for your time, and uh, may God's peace be with you.
1: Oh, thank you. This was a delight.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit future-christian.com. But hey, before you go, do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. It really helps us get the word out to more people. Thanks, and go in peace.